anything wrong in this situation. He took a pitch in the back. He got beamed for crying out loud. We used heart attack. Lee. Managers on a major league baseball team don't make decisions. Credibility in this situation is worse than losing your job. Was it over with the Jimmy's Bob Pro the castration of the Major League Baseball managers, we know it. Ask me about my winner! What's going on, everybody? Another edition of the Pass Ball Show. I want to throw a couple questions your way and be let it known what you think. Um, when it comes to baseball and its antitrust laws, do you think that's something that they have gone too far? Has baseball created a monopoly to a point where it can do essentially whatever it wants. Is it time to change that? I want to open the show today talking about chemistry amongst teams in professional sports. Because I think one of, that's one of the things that gets overlooked a lot and probably too often as we, as we think about teams winning and losing. We judge everything based off of wins and losses, right? And if our team doesn't do its job. We have our, our regular pecking order of people we blame. We like to blame the coach. You know you know my feeling about that. I think that's uh, usually short-sighted and I think it is over the top sometimes where we tend to blame our coaches a little bit more than we should. Um, but when things don't go right, sometimes it is. Something as simple as the culture in a locker room or one player in some case can destroy the entire chemistry of the way a team is running. And there's a couple scenarios that could potentially happen, one more important than the other, that I wanted to open the program with today. You know, ben Simmons has obviously worn out his welcome in Philadelphia. He has made it clear that that's not where he wants to play. Um, his next basketball game as an NBA player will be playing for another team. Essentially, it's his decision. Uh, for whatever reason, he doesn't want to play for the Philadelphia 76ers anymore. Now, at some point, you know, the Sixers could stop paying him. You know, as long as he continues to work out with the team and report, then he is still subject to the contract that he signed. Now, my fear is as the trading deadline gets close, we're getting close to February, the new year is coming. There's going to be a lot of a lot of heat on the Philadelphia 76ers to move Ben Simmons. And it's probably going to happen. It's more likely to happen than not that Ben Simmons gets traded before the trading deadline. Now, you can think of a number of teams that could benefit from having you know one of the most outstanding defensive players in the entire sport. You know, the second, he was second as regards to the defensive uh, player of the year last year in the NBA. Uh, we know about his shortcomings, his fallacies. Uh, you know, he doesn't like to take charge. He doesn't like to take shots. He doesn't like to score. Uh, he probably has a couple screws loose, but don't we all? You know, I got some screws loose too, so I, I could say that about anybody. But when it comes to Ben Simmons, odds are that he's going to re- represent a culture shift in whatever team that he ends up playing for. The latest discussion brought up by Adrian Wojnarowski was about the possibility of him being traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, if you're looking for a straight-up deal, Ben Simmons perhaps for Colin Sexton and something around there could work. The only issue is that Colin Sexton's out for the season. 
So if the 76ers were looking to get some value for this year, obviously Colin Sexton isn't going to be able to help him this year. That being said, you're talking about a good young player that could add to the core that the 76ers had. If Sexton was healthy, it, it would make a little more sense. So perhaps we're looking at a deal that could involve three or four teams. Now, the Cleveland Cavaliers are kind of a story in their own this year. They're, what, seven games over 500? They've been a, a basement, a dumpster fire pretty much since LeBron James left them again a couple years back when he signed with the Los Angeles Lakers. And think about it, the Cavs without LeBron have, have not been good for a very long time. LeBron got there, he brought some, uh, some credibility back to the organization, and over time the Cavs got themselves to an NBA Finals, where they, which they lost. A year later, after losing in what I think it was the Eastern Conference Finals to Boston, LeBron left to go to the Miami Heat, went to four straight NBA Finals, won two NBA championships, and then came back to the Cavaliers when they were ready and teamed up with Kyrie Irving to win a championship in 2016. The Cavaliers without LeBron have not been very good. And you're looking to see some chemistry as it's developing. J.B. Bickerstaff, as their head coach, just signed an extension to the 2026-2027 season. So he's going to be the coach there for a while, which I I say all along is very important when it comes to how a team's operating. It's very important to make sure that there is some sort of structure in leadership in any given organization. Bickerstaff being the coach there for the next several years, I think, is the first step. Evan Mobley, who they took with the third overall pick in this year's draft. Uh, you think of Darius Garland, uh, Ricky Rubio, and Kevin Love as veteran players have really helped that that organization and that club. And you start to think about the possibility of this Cavaliers team starting to put it together. Now, the reason that they're interested or would be interested in Ben Simmons would be because Ben Simmons would certainly help them. From a defensive standpoint, I think he would provide some leadership. I think he would make them a better team. And especially if they dealt Sexton and maybe some draft picks and you know didn't touch their assets that they've built with which are Mobley and you know Jared Allen and Darius Garland. If they're able to hold on to those players, then it kind of seems like a no-brainer. But the only issue that I have is how does it affect the team's chemistry? Ben Simmons has shown that he can be a negative, a net negative when it comes to chemistry on a basketball team. 76ers are tired of him. They don't want him back. You you think of the star players. They got there, Joel Embiid. He doesn't want to play with Ben Simmons again. So what if Ben Simmons goes to the Cleveland Cavaliers and things go into a, a, a huge shit? What if failure all of a sudden happens? The Cavs can't win a game. All of a sudden, there's finger pointing. And there's discussion over what has worked for the Cavaliers to this point is the fact that they're, they've seemed to have a, a working unit together. I always worry about that. And listen, as we know in sports, when you go from being a little guy to a, a legitimate contender, you got to take that step. I think of the Mets in 1997, what, I'm sorry, 1998, when they made that trade for Mike Piazza. You know, they were, they were a good young team. They made the deal for Piazza. And the expectations were that they were going to win. The, you know, li- you know, later on, the Mets in 2015 made a deal at the trading deadline for Ioannis Cespedes. They went from a contender, a team that was in the mix, to, yeah, 
the expectations are raised a little bit. So I think the same thing at some point should happen with the Cavaliers. Is this the year that they make the push? Maybe. And in a year that has really found a lot of difficulty in finding a trading partner for the 76ers and Ben Simmons, I think the Cavaliers would make an excellent trading partner. But once again, team chemistry. You know, if you have a player that thinks that he's above the team, if you have a player that thinks he is the the reason that this team is going to be good, if he was expected, let's say he's Keith Hernandez of 1983 with the Mets. And I keep making Mets references because these are the ones that make the most sense to me. Keith Hernandez going to a shitty team in 1983 when the Mets weren't any good, you know, he he could have he could have caused disruption there. He could have said, "Hey, I'm better than anybody that's here. Nobody on this roster understands what it's like to win. I just won a World Series last year. And it could have been a mess. Ben Simmons could come in with that same type of mentality. Say, hey, listen, you need me. You guys don't play defense like I do. And you have a little bit of a track record. And listen, no matter what Ben Simmons is going through personally, whether it's mental, whether it's physical, whether it's a combination of both, uh, you, you have to understand that it does count as a strike against him a little bit. He is Worn out as welcome. He's wants out of Philadelphia. Listen, James Harden wanted out of Houston. He went to the Brooklyn Nets. Things are going as well as they can for him. And a lot of people forget about his time with the Houston Rockets. But at the time, there was a little bit of disruption going on with Harden and the Rockets. Now, I think the same forgiveness could be given to Ben Simmons if he takes his next trade, goes to another squad, helps them, doesn't make it about him. And kind of rides off in the sunset and just does the things that Ben Simmons is capable of doing on a basketball court. But there's always that fear. You trade with somebody with a blemish on them, then maybe it becomes a little more about them. And I always worry about team chemistry. On a, on a lighter note, you think of the Arizona Cardinals are about to sign Brashard Breland. A defensive back who is, is most notably for his time with the Chiefs. Signed a deal with the Minnesota Vikings this year and got into an altercation with a coach this year and um, was yelling at teammates and was ended up being cut for his actions. And prior to that, had some, um, I don't know, a little bit of noise about him, about how he, he worked with his teammates with the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, the Arizona Cardinals are going through a tough time. They got off to a great start this year. They should make the playoffs. I mean, there, there's no guarantee. Or uh, actually, they might have clinched, but they're pretty close. But whatever, I would consider the Arizona Cardinals in the playoffs, but certainly not the favorite that they were when they got off to that incredible start when they started off the season. So you think of Arizona, who's slumping right now. Could they be one player away? Obviously, their secondary is ravaged. They could use somebody to to play defensive back for them. Brashad Breland would be a fit. Now he's going through COVID protocols, so after that's over, he's expected to sign his deal. But you wonder, if you're a player away, you could also be a player close enough to destruction. And the Arizona Cardinals are going backwards since their great start this year. If they have a player like Breland who has shown in the past that he could be a disruption in the locker room and the clubhouse and even on the field, they may want to think twice. Next thing I wanted to talk about, you think of the great run that the Miami Dolphins are on right now. They've won seven games in a row. 
the first team in NFL history to start the season one and seven and then win their next seven games. So they sit there at eight and seven. If the season were to end today, they would be the seventh team in the postseason in regards to the American Football Conference. And you think of the one and seven start and the calls for head coach Brian Flores and his job. And you know, this is a harping point that I continue to give. Uh, you, the watcher, the viewer, the listener, you, the fan, you, the person in the media, in some cases, you, the athlete and the coach, a lot of heat for. When a team struggles, it's always on the coach. Yet you look at this particular coach and he took over from Adam Gase, who was the head coach before. And you think of... The expectations for the Dolphins in that first season. They ended up finishing five and eleven. The thought was that they could very well go zero and sixteen or one and fifteen. The expectations were that they were supposed to be getting the number one overall pick in the next year's draft, so they could draft Tua Tonglealoa out of Alabama. They were tanking for Tua, but this coach got a pulse of his team, got his players to rally around him. And got the most out of that squad when nothing was expected from them. They finished 5-11, which is certainly something not to be proud of. But for the expectations of that Miami Dolphins squad, spoke a lot about the head coach. They won 11 games last year. They're obviously off to a bad start this year. So all of a sudden, without absorbing anything that has happened under this particular coach's tenure... All of a sudden, all the, the name callers and creatures and zombies and vultures start calling out for this man's job. And I'm glad that the Dolphins have put it together and they have gone on this run and supported their coach. Brian Flores is one of the top coaches in the National Football League. One in seven or not one in seven. Expectation of going 1 and 15 or 0 and 16 in his first year. Like I said, what he did in his first two seasons could not have been done by too many other head coaches in the National Football League. And while we're talking about the likes of Joe Judge with the Giants and Matt Nagy with the Chicago Bears, even Pete Carroll with the Seattle Seahawks, while we're talking about what's not working there. You can certainly give a lot of credit to Brian Flores and what he's done with the Miami Dolphins. So Major League Baseball in the mid-19-teens made a decision. And the decision ended up going to the Supreme Court where baseball was challenging the federal government and their ability to intercede with anything that involved Major League Baseball. And it was all over a rival league, the Federal League, which had existed from 1914 to 1915. And within that was a big decision for baseball to decide whether they were going to operate as their own entity or they were going to be allowed to have the federal government intercede with anything that was baseball related. And with that was an antitrust exemption given to baseball, Major League Baseball and just Major League Baseball, where nobody else in the country has that rights. 
and we've watched for almost 100 years now. I think it, the decision was 1922. And we've watched a lot of things happen in baseball that you think about the challenge of the antitrust exemption that it very well has. The latest issue is over minor league baseball. 40 teams, four in particular, are pretty pissed off that Major League Baseball just says, hey, we're Major League Baseball. We're going to do whatever the hell we want. And we're going to see, as this probably goes to the Supreme Court itself, whether baseball's antitrust exemption should ever be challenged. And I think it might. There's a chance, I believe, not necessarily with Kurt Flood, not necessarily with um, expansion, um, integration, you know, racism, different things that have happened over the course of baseball history. I think this is the one chance that you may actually see Major League Baseball's antitrust exemption be challenged. I'm going to move into my segment today in regards to this day in sports history. Now, yesterday was awful. We introduced this segment. Howard Cosell basically sounded like he was dead for 26 years. But he comes back. Hopefully, he's feeling a little bit better today. And we're going to talk about this day in sports history. Hello, everybody. This is Howard Cosell. This day in sports history. On December 28th, 1958, the Baltimore Colts won the 26th NFL Championship with an exciting 23-17 victory over the New York football giants at Yankee Stadium. For the first time in the history of pro football, a game was decided in a sudden death overtime. The Colts won the game 23-17. to 17. In 1975, the first official Hail Mary was thrown as Roger Staubach of the Dallas Cowboys connected with wide receiver Drew Pearson for a 50-yard touchdown to lead the Cowboys to a victory over the Minnesota Vikings in what was the first Hail Mary. Finally, on December 28th, 2008, the Detroit Lions finished off an improbable 0-16 season with a 31-21 loss at the hands of the Green Bay Packers. This is today in sports history on the Past Ball Show. Well, good job, Howard. Way to sound a little less dead than you did yesterday, but obviously it's been 26 years since you passed away. I can't expect you to perfect your staccato. Hopefully, as we're bringing you back to life, you'll bring a little more to the program. So real quick, the greatest game ever played, 1958. The Colts won the 26th NFL championship with a 23-17 victory over the Giants in Yankee Stadium. The game itself featured 17 future Pro Football Hall of Famers. In 1975, the first unofficial Hail Mary in pro football history is Roger Staubach 
completed a pass 50 yards to Drew Pearson to lead the Cowboys to a victory over the Minnesota Vikings. And then finally, the Detroit Lions finishing off what was, at the time, the only and first ever winless pro football season in National Football League history. We'll be back with you sometime next week. Hopefully, uh, you know things will pick up in regards to information about the world of sports. Obviously, haven't had a lot of baseball to talk about. Did bring up the antitrust exemption, which I really do think is at risk of finally getting overturned. But in regards to labor peace, will we have a new CBA sometime soon? Can we start planning our road trips for the games of the 2022 baseball season? Hopefully. Obviously, you think about team chemistry in sports, and sometimes a good team is one great player away from greatness. Sometimes a bad team or a middling team or even a good team is one cancer away from destruction. And I think the Cavaliers should be wary when they're considering the trade for Ben Simmons and the Philadelphia 76ers. Pretty similarly to the Arizona Cardinals, on a certainly on a much lighter level, when we're talking about the NFL and the Cardinals, um, they should be wary about Brashad Breeland and his history. Brian Flores is a good coach, was a good coach, even when his team was 1-7 this past season. More proof that most fans, when they're criticizing coaches for a team winning or losing, don't know shit about what they're talking about. We'll be back with you next week. Once again, the past ball show is brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. Aloysius Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two A's, One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side. Chris Bryant was on the Chicago Cubs roster opening day. I have many leather-bound books my apartment. Smells of rich mahogany. Why don't you give it all or a majority of it to the team that wins the freaking World Series? I was going to listen to that, but then I just carried on living my life. I may come out as the biggest Major League Baseball manager apologist. That'll only make someone work just hard enough not to get fired. Because hitters are going out there saying, I'm either going to hit a home run or I'm going to strike out. And if I don't get a pitch that I feel like I could drive out of the park. I'm not even supposed to be here today. Especially you prospect whores and hoarders are going to be a little pissed off at me when I say this. I'm a dude who believes a dude disguises another dude. There are only two managers in baseball's Hall of Fame who have losing records. One of them is the iconic Connie Mack, who you could say, in spite of winning five World Series championships as a manager, could be it as much as a pioneer. And what side of the spectrum they're on? Were they pitching? Were they batting? If your favorite team was pitching and a ball got inside to hit a batter, there's no way it could have been on purpose. But if you were a fan of the team that was batting and a ball got inside and hit somebody or went behind somebody's head, absolutely 100%, unequivocally, that pitcher was throwing at They put their tail between their legs and decided they're going to do exactly what they're told. Thirty-five years ago, I could have loaned your parents the money for an abortion.